This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Rita Cosby show finally some legal victories on the war of the migrant crisis and some of the images that we have seen in the last 24 hours first of all are stunning there is the Roosevelt Hotel which they're now referring to as the new Ellis Island doesn't look at all like uh, the Ellis Island of days gone by but this one you could see the pictures in the New York Post of people literally sleeping on the floor. And they're sleeping upright on the floor because there's just no place to go. The Roosevelt Hotel in New York is the makeshift sort of migrant intake center. And they are sleeping now upright in the lounge area, in the lobby area, all over the place. They're sleeping out on the streets. It looks like a third world nation. And this is the heart of New York City. This is an iconic location. This is where Truman was holding up the the Dewey One. Remember that whole thing, that whole very famous image? Also, Guy Lombardo also performed there. This is a legendary location. And now it looks like a squatter's paradise. So now there have been some victories, if you will, on the migrant crisis, albeit a short-lived one. And what happened just a few hours ago could be a sign of where this is headed because the legal battles are definitely going to continue. There's no doubt about it. First off, let's talk about what's going down south. Down on the southern border, the sad news is they have hit 2.2 million encounters so far this year. That's not even the full number, but that is a record. And that is the highest number in American history having crossed in one single fiscal year. And the mayor there at El Paso, Texas, this is how he describes the situation. Take a listen. The city of El Paso only has so many resources, and we have come to what we look at a breaking point right now. We are at a breaking point right now. I would say, based on the images that I saw of El Paso a year ago, uh, you're well beyond broken. You were, like, broken, like, a year ago. This is, like, beyond broken. This is like irretrievable. And I really actually don't know how they will retrieve because, boy, is it a disaster. And so they are at a crisis point. You see the you see it looks like like a small city underneath a freeway bridge. there, very similar to what was going on at Del Rio Bridge when the Haitians came in. Remember a couple of years ago when there were tens of, you know, thousands upon thousands there. Same thing is happening there now. And there is no end in sight. And then in addition to that, this judge did step in in Staten Island, New York. Now, here's the glimmer of hope in the middle of all this dire crisis. A judge in New York came through. This is a Staten Island Supreme Court judge ruled today 
that the migrants that are staying at that city shelter that's set up at a former school at St. John Villa Academy in Staten Island, which is right across the street. It's like 20 feet or so away from an active grammar school. It's very close to another school, too, as well. God knows why they would put a migrant shelter there. It's ridiculous and it's crazy. And the people of Staten Island have been furious about it, rightfully so. They've been out and about doing all those very vocal protests. And now they've had a victory, at least, again, a short-lived one. So the judge came out and said that there is no, quote, right to shelter that is of legal adjudication that's in the state constitution. In other words, New York City, you are not required to shelter individuals. That it was created in August of 1981, this right to shelter, and it was only for homeless people at that time. So it wasn't binding beyond that, and it was never meant, the judge said, for individuals who are illegally in this country. And that's what many people are saying all along, because New York City is using this right to shelter as the reason to say, well, we got to take them all in, even though they, of course, did the neon sign and said, hey, we got to bring them all in because of the, uh, you know, the free cell phones and the free food and the free hotels and the free this and free that. Well, everybody's been saying, wait a minute, what are you using? Well, we have a right to shelter. We're obligated. We have no choice. Well, first of all, you didn't have to lure them here. That's one with all the freebies, because, of course, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that they're going to come if they get all these freebies. And then in addition to that, now a judge is saying that the right to shelter doesn't apply to migrants. That could be a huge victory. So here is first off, this is Vito Fasella. He is the Staten Island, New York borough president. And this is what he says after the judge's ruling came down just a little bit ago. Today, the judge uh, ruled that the whole right to shelter consent decree facade uh, has come crumbling down, something we've been saying for about a year. Uh, but just a little background, we brought a um, initiated a suit against the city because they opened up a migrant shelter in the middle of a solid residential neighborhood on Staten Island and a few feet from an uh, all-girls Catholic high school and two elementary schools. And we said, it's just a bad place to be. Uh, we went for the temporary uh, restraining order a few weeks ago in the city. We won in the trial level. The city reversed uh, almost immediately. Well, the city I so went to the appellate division. It was reversed almost immediately. But today, in almost a 29-page ruling, the judge basically tore apart the whole concept of the right to shelter. So what does New York City do? It appeals within minutes almost. As soon as the word came down from the judge, they say, we're going to appeal this ruling. Now, let me just ask you one thing. Does that sound like genuine leadership that really wants to alleviate this crisis, if they've been using sort of the right to shelter as sort of the reason that they have to continue with these migrants, even though we all know there's something more to it, why would you appeal a ruling like this saying, oh, no, 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 we we are obligated? Wouldn't you just say, you know what? The judge gave us cover. The judge is saying we don't have to do this. We have no obligation to a right to shelter. We thought we did. That's why we took these people in out of the kindness of our heart. I'm playing New York City leadership. And then they could say, well, you know, but the judge said otherwise. So we're going to have to, sorry, deport you all. We're going to have to move you out of New York City. We don't have the obligation that we thought we did. We tried. And look what happened. But no, 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 no. 
Now this is really the cat out of the bag. Because within minutes, New York City comes back and says, no, we're going to appeal that. Like, no, we want to carry that burden of right to shelter. We want to use that, what, as a cover? As opposed to saying, maybe it's a good idea we can get out of this. You know, because it's saying we don't have the obligation, so we got to figure out a way. Maybe we shouldn't be charging taxpayers $1 billion for the next three years for hotel rooms, which is what the new estimate is. I mean, this is ludicrous. This is insane. So here is Vito Vasella after the decision came down where they decided to appeal. The judge really destroyed the whole argument, as I mentioned this right to shelter concept. There's no law that uh, stipulates that it should be in place. There's no constitutional right. Uh, so when you go to the appellate division, I'd love to hear the professor's uh, or the judge's opinion on if there's no law in place, what are they going to appeal to? <laughs> just, there's nothing to hang their hat on, at least on the surface. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be. And why would you appeal? Why would you appeal? If somebody says to you, you don't have to cover all these migrants, these 100,000 that you're complaining about, uh, and you're obligated, uh, you thought, because of right to shelter, now you have a judge that says you don't need to do it, why the heck would you challenge it? So that's what I want to hear your thoughts on tonight. What is really behind this? I really do think it has to do with votes. Because what other reason in God's green earth would you suddenly say, well, I'm going to appeal that decision because I really do want to have that obligation and and really destroy New York City. I'm going to appeal that. I mean, there is no genuine reason in God's green earth that you would actually do that unless there is some ulterior motive here. So what is it, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, here are the Staten Island residents, of course, because the shelters in their community, they were cheering and chanting and they were thrilled at this decision because it could also set a precedent for migrant shelters across America. And then they found out New York City appealed minutes later. Here's the reaction. I feel very upset. This is no place. This this is no place for the illegals to stay here. Okay, this place is is in bad shape. It's expected. I didn't expect this to be one battle and you're going to win. This is a war. The appeal just makes it look like it's a totally fixed system, and um, you know it's frustrating. But we're going to keep up the fight. We're still about protecting our children. We're going to be out here every day protesting and. Uh, no, this whole thing is a bunch of nonsense about the appealing. Um, the judge found it on our, found it twice on our side that this place should not be a, a, a facility to house people, especially not long term. Well, we expected an appeal. We knew from the first victory that they were going to appeal it when we won the second time. Uh, I feel this is a waste of the taxpayers' money, and I feel that the mayor should just recognize that this is not the place for this shelter and allow the decision to stand. That would be the logical thing. Why is the mayor of New York City, who's been saying, oh, we're obligated, we're obligated, Why would you be appealing a decision that gives you political cover and gives you a way out of this crisis and says, hey, you know what? Sorry, we got to send you all back. I made a mistake. We tried. See ya. That would have been the perfect solution. But no, they are appealing. Shame on them tonight. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jacqueline, line four. Jacqueline, your thoughts about all this. 
Rita, you, I'll give you my thoughts, but I need you to answer a question for me because you just told me something that I wasn't aware of. I wasn't feeling that great. I wasn't listening to any news today. When you say the city of New York, who specifically? Was it the mayor? Was it the city council? Was it both? Well, it, it, they represent uh, both. So it's the city. It's, it's spearheaded by the mayor's office. So it's really everybody. I mean, by the way, uh, you brought up another point. No matter what happens here, if for some reason they decide it comes out that they cannot do this right to shelter on like an appeal or all that, city council could then pass their own law and say, you know what? We've decided we want to be a right to shelter. <laughs> you know, I mean, they could still probably step in at some point, but right now it is the whole city as a whole. Uh, so that's the mayor's office. It's the city council. It's everybody, which is just to me, that is how sad is that? I, I mean, there was an out there. As soon as I heard that, I thought, Hey, if this mayor is smart, he would say, you know what? We're not going to appeal it. Well, let's just leave it at that. It gives us an out. We're, we're busting at the seams. I clearly made a mistake. I'm just, you know, pretending, you know, that a mayor Adams, I clearly made a mistake with that big neon sign, uh, trying to get everybody in. We had the best of intentions, but sorry, the court ruled, uh, you know, that we're not obligated and we got to get you to go. We tried. Uh, well, that, know- come on. Rita, it's worse than sad. It's actually despicable, and it's very underhanded. And I think, as you pointed out the other day, since 51 city council seats are going to be up for re-election, I think the people of the city of New York need to be well aware of who is responsible for this appeal. Because as you just accurately pointed out, this was the opportunity for them to say, okay, we can't do this. This is something that, you know, the law, we can't circumvent the law. So I hope voters remember that when they go to the polls to elect, hopefully, a new mayor who's got some common sense and who stands up for the people of the city of New York, as well as the city council members. Stop voting the way they vote and stop making the rest of us pay the consequences for their vote. Right. And and, and to continue it, too. That's that's they they had an out. That's why, you know, even though they've made obviously some enormously serious mistakes, Jacqueline, they had a perfect out right now today. I thought, OK, let's see. Maybe, you know, they kind of been talking out of both sides of their mouth. Let's see if maybe they use this opportunity to say, OK, well, we tried Sorry, you know, uh, we had the best of intentions. In the meantime, we got to do this. This was a perfect sort of cover. I use the political cover, the terminology, and they didn't take it. And that speaks volumes. And in fact, they did the opposite. They're challenging and saying, you know, it's like someone saying someone goes and punches you on the street and says, uh, you know what? Uh, could I have another? <laughs> That's what they did. Uh, could you hit me on the head again? Because I didn't get hit hard enough the first time. That's basically what they're saying to the New York City residents. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls, everybody, after the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
And things are a disaster at our U.S. southern border. And here was an out for the city of New York that's been saying, oh, boy, this is overwhelming. I don't know why they came to New York just because we were giving them everything for free, including a four or five star hotel and food and all that. But I have no idea why they came. And a judge ruled that the right to shelter basically is not in the state constitution. It's not part of the consent decree uh, that at the time it was only to homeless and it's not binding for migrants, essentially. There's a perfect legal out. And yet New York City is appealing the decision. Uh, What is this, like sadomasochist? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al online too. Al, your thoughts about this. This is stunning. Yeah, hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you know, I think Vito Vicello, uh is fighting the good fight. He's an honorable public servant in Staten Island. Uh, it's good that he had a second act coming back from Congress. But I think in the long run, I think the uh, the appellate division, unfortunately, because I'm 100% against the migrants, the busing, uh, totally. I think that the appellate division probably will overturn this decision and and let the uh, migrants continue to come in the boroughs. Well, and, and by the way, they may, especially now that they see New York City fighting it. Um, yeah. You know, they, they might not have. Obviously, you know, it would have just sat there. There wouldn't have been an appeal. Um, and you're right, they might. Uh, but this would have been a perfect out. Don't you agree, Al, that if the mayor and other folks at city council said, you know what, you know, they're sitting here talking about how we're, how we're it's going to destroy New York. I mean, Absolutely. who in their right mind comes out and says, hey, this is going to destroy New York. If somebody said, you know, uh, boy, if we have the plague right. come in, it's going to destroy New York. And now you're saying, wait, 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 are you going to move the plague away? I want you to bring back more of that, uh, you know, of the plague. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, the mayor says one thing and he does another. I mean, this is all the time. So, I mean, you could fool some of the people. I mean, he can't fool the people. Everybody sees what's going on here. Yeah, it is. It is really a very apparent. This appeal, I think, says it all. Al, thank you very much. Uh, Let's go to Mike in South Carolina. Go ahead, Mike. Your thoughts, my friend. It gets more bizarre, Rita, as every day goes by. It really does. You know, just when you think. Things will be, you know, as normal as it could be. It's not. It's not. You know, New York City will appeal, you know, the right to shelter and this and that. And it's it's, uh, it's so bizarre that what's going to happen next? The, the numbers will still increase. And, uh, you know, and, and look at what a great job New York City mayor is doing. What, what, what a dunce. You know, yeah, well, the Roosevelt Hotel says it all. I mean, you heard what I said, Mike. They are yeah. sleeping up. They're sitting and sleeping because they're so crammed into like the bar area and the lobby of the hotel. They didn't want any media in. And by the way, the New York Post uh, got that picture. And it, it says it all. And since they put out that picture, they blacked out the windows of the hotel. So now people can't go inside. Uh, doesn't that sound like maybe they have something to hide there, Mike? I mean, that doesn't sound like a welcome mat. That doesn't sound like, at all like a welcome mat. And they do have something to hide. And, you know, it's, it's in quotes, it's smoke and mirrors. And you know what? We are turning the major cities with the, um, you know, with the migrants, we are turning into a third world nation in total. We are. Yeah. And that is and, a that's a sad testament, Mike, too, um, just as you said, because 
Um, and it breaks my heart, you know, because if anybody has been to New York City lately, you'll see how far downhill it has gone. And then suddenly they had an out and they say, no, no, no. We'd like to be abused some more. We'd like taxpayers to have to pay billions more. That's what that appeal means. That is shameful and despicable. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we get to honor our great men and women in law enforcement. A really powerful story coming from Ann Arbor, Michigan, where a young man is alive today thanks to the quick actions of bystanders and local police officers. A man named Jermaine Atkins had been swimming in a Michigan park when he slipped under the surface of the water and he didn't resurface. A bystander named Margarita Howes said she heard someone calling for help after seeing bubbles appear in the water where Atkins had gone under. Thankfully, several good Samaritans were able to pull the man out of the water and onto the dock. And then Howes, who happens to be a nursing student, started CPR. Then other officers arrived on the scene. They immediately took over compressions and rescue breath was assisted by other responders as well. Another officer named Officer Burnett said, a lot of times with urgent calls like this, you hope that there's some element of that's not true. Yet in this case, it was all true and it was gravely serious. Atkins, by the way, is in critical condition or he was when he was transported to a local hospital where he was treated for several weeks. And now, miraculously, the Department of Police there in Ann Arbor says that the man has made a full recovery. Atkins was also uh, able to meet the officers and also the uh, bystander, Margarita House. How beautiful is that? Uh, in a special ceremony in which all of them were given life-saving awards. Atkins, again, the man who was saved, thanked everyone for their help and said he was really, really grateful to be alive and would not be if it were not for them at the right place at the right time. Bravo, of course, to the officers, also to the bystander, uh, for quick action and saving this man's life. It is a great story of great teamwork and, of course, Thanks to all our men and women in blue and other people who help them 24-7. Well, we're talking about the disaster at the border. Uh, Kathy Hochul saying that she is going to send the National Guard to help with the migrant crisis in New York. She's the governor of New York. But they're not helping with sealing the border. They're helping with processing in New York so they can process them quicker in New York uh, as if that's the problem. The problem is... If they're not here legally, which nine out of ten typically are not, at least, well, then they should be deported. And they're not being deported. They're like, hey, come back in uh, ten years and then we'll uh, have a court date as if anyone is going to abide by that. It is a disaster. And we're talking about hypocrisy because, again, the city of New York has said, oh, gosh, we have to keep these people in migrant shelters because of this right to shelter law. Guess what? Now a judge has said essentially right to shelter doesn't extend to migrants, to people who aren't in this country. So they had it out, and yet they're appealing the decision, which, again, speaks volumes of New York City. And speaking of hypocrites, Attorney General Merrick Garland was at a hearing today. It was a hearing, basically more of a forum, I should say, for victims of fentanyl and their families. 
And this is what he had to say. Tough talk. But again, this is a man of no action. This is the Attorney General of the United States talking about fentanyl as if it magically appears. Take a listen. Violent drug cartels are manufacturing and moving fake pills designed to look exactly like brand name drugs. And instead, they contain deadly fentanyl. And we know that no one, no one person and no one family can defeat the epidemic alone. We need each other. Right. We need each other. You know what we need? We need a federal government that has a set of principles. He makes it sound like they suddenly show up on the streets of New York or the streets of Philly or the streets of Seattle and that they just magically appear in a Memphis hotel room, you know, somewhere in the Carolinas, as if it just kind of suddenly happens that they show up in a in a home in St. Louis. No, you know where they're coming from? They are coming from the border, Mr. Attorney General, and it's because your border is wide open. And that's why there's so much fentanyl that is killing 100,000 Americans every single year. It has been escalating dramatically in the last few years. That's why human trafficking is skyrocketing. I saw a number the other day. This stunned me. Uh, and I should say it didn't stun me based on the facts that we have been talking about just now but that the cartels in Mexico are the fifth largest business in Mexico in terms of funds, that that's how much money and operation that they have, that they have become the fifth largest business in Mexico. I'm surprised it's not the first because they are booming right now, and this administration is doing nothing. That pathetic excuse for an attorney general, that guy is shameful. How dare he sit there and say, oh, I feel so bad for the fentanyl that's crossing across the border. Well, if you really cared, you would seal the border. You'd go after the cartels. You'd do something as opposed to doing nothing. By the way, that horrible case of the daycare, they finally arrested. They got the husband of the owner. Thank goodness they tracked him down. Guess where he was? He was in Mexico. He was arrested in Mexico. That's thank goodness. The case made so many headlines. That's why they probably felt pressure. It's such a horrible case. Of course, the one-year-old little boy who died, the three others who were seriously injured at the daycare there in the Bronx. Remember, it was a stash house, essentially, for fentanyl. And the video showed the daycare, the woman, her husband, sneaking out with the video with the bags in the back. And authorities finally called, uh, finally arrested him. He is the fourth person to now be arrested in the daycare death and the others that are seriously injured. That place alone had one kilo of fentanyl in it. That was in one location near a baby's play mat. And then remember, they had the trap door underneath. uh, And the owner, according to authorities, called the husband and others before she called 911, which could have potentially saved the little boy's life and helped the others. It's shameful. Throw the book at them. But this just shows how pervasive Fentanyl is in America. And then we have an attorney general who's like, yeah, you know, it's so sad what's going on. You know what? It's shameful and it's despicable. You should be closing the border immediately. And you should have done that on day one, as opposed to whatever Trump does, we're going to do different. We're going to bring in these people. Uh, And this is what the former secretary of Homeland Security under Trump, Chad Wolf, had to say about this administration's policy on the border. Take a listen. We need a new change in policy along that border. And so I'd love to hear the attorney general talk about steps that this administration is going to do to hold the cartels accountable. Uh, They should be public enemy number one. They're killing more Americans today than basically anything else. And yet it's business as usual along that border. 
in American communities and American families are suffering not only the human trafficking, obviously, that we see, but also the illegal narcotics and the fentanyl that are coming across that border in record numbers. But this all stems back to a very porous and open border because of the policies over the last 28 months. And so I think it's incumbent upon this administration and this president really to outline a strategy of how he's actually going to get this border under control, if, if he actually wants to do that, and how he's going to protect Americans from uh, this fentanyl crisis. Yeah, if he wants to do it. And I've seen no sign that he wants to do it. And here's what Chris Clem, he's a former Border Patrol chief, had to say a few hours ago, too. The federal government needs to to shut this down. They need to send all the resources they need. They need to go ahead and and, and implement the policies that we started, that we had worked for for almost 25 years to get this border secure. And most importantly, they need to engage Mexico again in the firmest way we possibly can to include the source countries. Because these are not just Mexican nationals and Central Americans coming through. These people from all over the world that are uh, that are coming into our border. And we've got to shut this down. We got to shut this down, but you got to have the will. And there was a ruling again, as we're talking about in New York City, to give the New York City mayor an out. And guess what? They're appealing. And that's what we have seen on the border. Every time, remember when there was a chance of lifting Title 42, which was the health provision, you could say that that's the case with we don't know what kind of diseases and others are going in. You know, we have no idea of any of these things. I mean, this is just nuts. And so all of those operations, they could have said, no, we want to fight to keep Title 42 there. We don't want to have it lifted uh, because we don't know what they're bringing in. And no, they said, let's lift Title 42 Let's have a wide open border. And same thing with New York. They had a chance to say, "Okay, well, I guess maybe we can use the cover of uh, shelter that there is no right to shelter anymore and use that and say, sorry, we tried. We're going to kick everybody out. We tried. Guess what? They're appealing that, too. What does that say to you? That says they want a wide open border and they want migrants and they want all of us to pay for it, not just for security, but financially, too. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to J.C. in Pennsylvania. Line one. J.C., your thoughts? Uh, first of all, they, they should make the death penalty for anybody who sells fentanyl. And you know what? Who public enemy number one and number two is? Biden and Merrick Garland. And they should be, they should go to, they should uh, be uh, press charges against too. Because they're responsible. But back to New York City, okay, just like that, uh, the Meatloaf song where he's putting his hands all over, what's it called, DeVito, and she goes, stop right now. Well, that's what the citizens of New York City and New York State should do. They should sue the government administration of New York City and New York State and say, not with taxpayer money. You want to fund this out of your pocket, all the councilmen. All the all the politicians, your money. That's what you want to do. Your money. This is ridiculous. Yeah, that's a great idea, JC, saying, hey, here's the price tab. You got it out. Here's the decision. You could have gotten out of it, which we all knew could have been contested and they should have been contesting it from day one. So, I mean, you're dealing with all of these. They're talking out of both sides of their mouth. You know, your first point's also an interesting one, JC. You talked about uh, death penalty for fentanyl. And you could make the case uh, that the folks who are, you know, keeping the border wide open are part of a conspiracy because it seems like a conspiracy to keep it open because it defies logic. The facts say otherwise. 
And yet they continue to want it for some conspiratorial reason, I think, uh, potentially votes. People think that they'll get them in here. They're going to suddenly make them all legal like we saw them doing with the 500,000 migrants from Venezuela. Remember that whole deal that just happened recently from the Biden administration? So, I mean, you put all of these things together, you could say, well, they're part of the conspiracy. I mean, I mean, how is that not when you when you're knowing you know, if you say, OK, I'm going to allow that person to drive drunk. See, ya, don't you feel is shouldn't there be some obligation when you know that that person is potentially going to kill somebody, especially if you know that they're slamming into cars and trees and then you say, hey, have a good day. I mean, you know, you could interestingly make a case. Some creative attorney out there needs to find out some way to make a case to put a stop to it, because clearly they're not going to stop on their own. That's what's so crazy. This this is like, you know, loony kazoony will. It really is. Let's go to Bob in Yonkers, line five. Bob, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Mayorkas and Biden have blood on their hands. They're not doing the job. They're a bunch of idiots and people are dying. You know, every parent, parent in this country should be aware that when you get a phone call in the middle of the night and your child is in, end up dead in the emergency room, there are only two people you need to blame, Biden and my, my office. Yeah, and how sad is that? I, I hear you, Bob, because I'm telling you, it is they are they are pathetic. And and I think your point is a good one. It's reckless, it's dangerous, and it seems just counterproductive to protecting the homeland. Both of them are employed with protecting the homeland. I and you got the president and you got the attorney general, the top law enforcement officer. And he is breaking the law by allowing all these individuals to come in illegally. Um, it, it, it is disgusting. And, and I don't see any end in sight. And that's what's so sad, Bob. I don't see any end in sight. And, in fact, either clearly does Mayor uh, Adams of New York because he just did a deal for hotel rooms. He just extended them for three more years. So what does that say? Like, think about that. Three more years, that's beyond whoever's going to be in the White House next go-round. That includes either Biden or or Trump or somebody else, you know, whoever wins the White House next go round. But I guess he's that confident that he's doing deals for them to stay for three more years. I mean, that that to me, that says it all. That says it all that they want him here and they're going to fight tooth and nail to keep them here. Let's go real quick to Susan on line eight. Susan, your thoughts. OK, well, Rita, um, I want to know if you recollect what I have just come up with i recall not too many months ago biden actually no i mean adams went to washington to speak to the administration i don't know if he talked to biden or but he was there spoke to the administration and what i recall and i'd like to know if you do our listeners that they what adams was told is that they can't do anything until after the 2024 election. Yeah, so, that yes, I remember there were reports of that. It wasn't it wasn't sort of quote an official comment. Um but you're right. They were saying that that is what essentially he was told. And Adams to his credit was speaking out about saying, "Hey, we need to close the border. We need to do this. Um I wish the administration would do blank." He didn't call Biden necessarily by name, but he was still, you know, pretty forceful. And guess what happened? He got kicked off the campaign committee for Biden, which I don't know anybody who would want to endorse open borders and everything else. Um, and then 
Also, when the U.N. happened, he didn't meet with Adams. He met with Governor Hochul. But then when uh, the president, remember, with the sweep of a pen, made 500,000 Venezuelans temporarily legal, which means permanent legal, um, Biden praised him. So, so you know, I agree. Uh, he clearly is thinking, even if the president says he's planning on doing, even if that's true, the report that he's going to do something after the election, um, if that's true, um, it still sure looks like he's going to continue this path. Because if he's planning on doing hotel rooms for the next three years, what does that say to you? If he's going to do a hotel room for the next three years, that's well beyond the election. So he's definitely expecting that this will continue and uh, these deals just keep on coming and the money keeps running out big time. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. In the next hour, we'll continue talking about the migrant crisis in America. Also, the crime crisis in America, as now more retailers are closing. Target, the latest one on the list, is closing a number of stores, including one in New York City, saying crime is so bad uh, that they just cannot afford to stay open. And also uh, people saying that Chicago is like uh, Gotham without Batman. And it's like, it's not a good place. I'd love to have Batman and especially any place in New York or Chicago or any street in America today. Plus, also, Senator Menendez getting more people, more Democrats are trying to push him out. But what's the real story? The Republicans are not, but the Democrats are. So what do you make is behind that? And who do you think is going to win debate number two? Round number two is tomorrow night of the GOP debate. The first one actually had some pretty good moments, some pretty good spirited moments. Uh, Nikki Haley, I thought, did really well on the first one. Um, Pence actually did pretty decent on the first one. Uh, DeSantis is tanking like uh, like uh, like the bottom of a, a fish tank. <laughs> and not a, not a clean one. He's not doing well. He's got to have a breakout moment. I think a number of them really do have to have a breakout moment. They also they basically have to stand out or stand down, I think, after tomorrow night, because to continue who's funding these people if they're at one, two, three, four, five, six percent with Trump now so far ahead in the polls. Obviously, people are watching. Anything can happen. You know, I don't begrudge people for being in the race, uh, but they definitely need to do something stellar to stand out tomorrow night. So will they do that or is it a sinking ship for a couple of them? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Lisa, number one. Lisa, your thoughts about all this. Okay. First of all, I love your show. So I appreciate what you do and your speakers and the ones that call in, Norm, Tony, Judith, et cetera. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. No, thank you. But nobody ever addresses another equally pernicious thing that's happening as a result of these migrants, not just fentanyl, the diseases they're bringing in. A friend of mine's a dentist, and she just got a notice about leprosy to be aware of that. We're having a resurgence of anti anti 
antibiotic-resistant TB, dengue fever, all these diseases, polio, that have been eradicated, and we, our systems are not immune the way many of these migrants are. So this is a very, very, very dangerous way and another way to take us out and destroy us. You know, Lisa, I'm so glad you brought that all up uh, because you're right um, that they are not vetted and from health check perspective. And that to me is really, really sad. And it's actually very dangerous, just as you talked about, because it's it's one that we are not protected from. Uh, there are also many of them are not vaccinated. Most of them are not vaccinated. And that's why I also get really concerned about putting them in schools, because, you know, especially with school kids who are very vulnerable and to put them in, you know, in a classroom where they're not vetted, not checked. There are so many questions. I'm so glad you brought that out because there's a lot of layers to this. Very important. Let's go to George on line two. George, your thoughts. Hi. Uh, hi, Rita. Yep, George, uh, go ahead how real are quick. You, by the way. Okay, uh, let me wrap it up quickly. Uh, all right, now, Abbott, right? Greg Abbott, the yep. governor of Texas, yep. Yep. he should have uh, repatriated those he dispersed within the United States and started the problem. He should have. Uh, returned them to Argentina, the Venezuelans. The he couldn't. George, he's not. George, gotten, uh, George, he's not allowed to. And guess what? You know, out of the ones that came to New York, it's like single digits percentage of the ones that were sent from Texas. The rest came from Biden or came because they couldn't wait to get the freebies from New York. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, later on in this hour, we're going to talk about crime across America and how it is skyrocketing in so many major cities. Uh, there was a price tab that just came out recently that retail theft in stores has cost $112 billion in losses. Think about that. That's how much it is costing retailers across this country. That is a staggering, staggering number. CVS uh, just recently announced that it's going to close up to 900 stores, much in part because of crime. Target just a few hours ago announcing that it's going to be closing a couple of its big stores because they cannot handle the price of shoplifting and crime in the area that it is just choking stores to death. And Gianno Caldwell, who lost his younger brother in Chicago. Gianno is a conservative commentator. I love Gianno. I've known Gianno. He's a great guy. We've done a number of charity events together. He's a commentator there on Fox News. Well, he testified today in Chicago at a hearing. Uh, and again, knows firsthand uh, just how devastating crime is in the Windy City. As I mentioned, he lost his younger brother to crime. And it was a random shooting. And the crime is skyrocketing in Chicago. Uh, violent crime up, car thefts up, 
And that is happening across the country. And this is what Giano said. It was riveting during his testimony today. Take a listen. No more leniency on murder and shootings. Hold these folks accountable and hold them accountable today. There's so many like Christian in this town, so many good, innocent kids who just want to be afforded a life to live. And oftentimes within the city of Chicago, whether it be due policies, because soft on crime policies come with a, a mentality where criminals just simply take over and they have no fear or regard for the re- repercussions of breaking the law. We have to change that immediately. And the way that we change that and the way that we prevent another Christian or my friends, two, two brothers, prevent their deaths is to be tough on crime. Law and order is the only way we're going to change the situation here in the city of Chicago. Yeah, law and order. And yet they have now just erased cash bail in the state of Illinois, well beyond even Chicago. Uh, It's like, what's the definition of stupidity? Crime is skyrocketing and they do no cash bail. Is there anything else we could do to make it easier for criminals? And what was appalling today is here's this hearing with Jim Jordan and Democrats didn't even show up for the hearing on crime. It was a hearing about crime across America. He took it to the Windy City because it has one of the highest rates, of course, of homicides. You see the headlines every single weekend. And not a single Democrat even bothered showing up for the hearing. They made it a partisan issue. How is crime a partisan issue? Crime is an American issue. It's something we're all facing, and it shouldn't be politics. And it spoke volumes that no Democrats actually showed up. And this is what John O'Callwell had to say about that. Law and order is the only way we're going to change the situation here in the city of Chicago. And I am hopeful that this committee hearing will lead to some more light on that. But I am also disappointed that many of your colleagues on the Democrat side chose not to come here. Many of the folks who've said black lives matter, and they do, but they're not showing that black lives matter by uh, not being here today. Yeah, they certainly are not. They don't even want to participate. And how about the hearing? Remember, also, same thing happened when there was the crime hearing in New York that Jim Jordan did. And nobody showed up for that one either. And the few Democrats that did, they made it all about politics. All they did was talk about Trump. It had nothing to do with crime. It was like, you're here because of Trump. You're here because of Trump. You're here because of Trump. Uh, As opposed to addressing the root cause that is clearly affecting every single American. And Gianna Caldwell also took a swipe as we've been talking about migrants and the situation at the border and what's happening to all these American cities. The fact that they are not being vetted. For as we were talking about just recently with health issues, we have no idea of the different kind of medical strains or diseases that some may have. We also have no idea of the criminal history, zero. And many of them are coming from countries that are pretty violent, like Venezuela and elsewhere. We have zero idea. It's like throw them into American cities and good luck and throw them into American schools with our kids and good luck. And here is John O'Callwell talking about the double standards that exist with migrants and legal residents. Why are we allowing our cities from Chicago to New York to Los Angeles to Baltimore to Oakland to Philadelphia to San Francisco to remain dangerous kill zones? While migrants are traveling from across the world to Chicago for a sanctuary city status, there continues to be no sanctuary and no peace for the very people who call Chicago home their entire lives. 
There is no peace. And he just talked about the double standards, again, that are dealing with migrants versus legal citizens. Things are so bad that Senator Roger Marshall is planning to introduce a resolution that's going to declare a formal invasion at the U.S.-Mexico border as the number of these illegal crosses are reaching, as I mentioned, historic highs. What that would essentially do is by calling it, quote, an invasion, then Congress has to recognize each state's right to secure the border themselves. It's an interesting idea because we were just saying, how come Texas isn't deporting them? The caller was saying, why is Texas not just sending them back? Well, they can't send them back. They're not allowed to because the federal government is protecting, supposed to protect the border, even if they're not doing a really good job at all. They're doing a zero job, a negative job. But until it could be, quote, classified as an invasion or under a certain standard, that doesn't give the states the ability to send them back. So that's an interesting theory, calling it an invasion. Also, New York City trying to make room for the migrants now. There are reports that New York City is actually making way for the homeless population, which is often being replaced by the migrants. Remember, the homeless were in a lot of these shelters, and then they were moved out to make room for migrants. Migrants getting all these benefits with food and hotels and, you know, food service and the phones, all that other good stuff, right, that they love. That's why they're coming here. Well, now, apparently, because there's no more room at the inn, as we heard from New York, that New York is making a plan to basically move homeless up to outside counties, to some of the other counties, to some of the northern municipalities that don't want to take the asylum seekers because they're saying it's not our responsibility, this right to shelter, even though that's clearly up for debate based on what we were talking about. But. They're saying, well, maybe then we can kind of figure out a plan to give the homeless vouchers so they can use it upstate. So if you're not going to take our asylum seekers, we'll give you the homeless instead. So that's what New York City is doing. Again, bending over backwards. We'll keep the migrants, but the legal homeless citizens, veterans, you guys, you can go to, you know, you know, bumpkiss somewhere, wherever you want to go. We'll, we'll send you somewhere else. Good luck. And don't let the door hit you on the way out. 1-800-848-9222, uh, Let's go to Teddy. Teddy, your thoughts on line one. Yeah, I'm calling about the crime issue. You have to hire more security and grab them and arrest them and let them be tried to the fullest extent of the law, and that means go to jail. Bravo, Teddy, bravo. But, Teddy, let me ask you this question. This comes at the same time that Illinois is saying no cash bail. They're going the other way. I mean, it's 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 counterproductive. I agree with what you're saying. We absolutely need to hire more security. Everybody deserves to be safe. But but they're doing the exact opposite. I mean, how does that make any sense? I agree with you. I call it like it is, whether it's a Republican issue or Democratic issue. I criticize both sides, and I'll criticize the Democratic government of Illinois for establishing no cash bail. And it's wrong, outright wrong, just like Trump is being charged with fraud. He's being uh, the judge decided that he in today in New York that he committed fraud. So I call it both ways, Rita. I agree that the crime issue is outrageous. Target is closing down nine stores, one in Harlem. 
today. I just saw it on the news tonight. Yep. And it's a result of the crime. And uh, it's outrageous and it's bad. But I just call it both ways, Rita. And that's the way I... And I, and I appreciate that. And I always love hearing from you, Teddy. So thank you for the call, Ted. Great to hear from you. And you're welcome to call anytime. I always love hearing from you. Let's go to Curtis in North Carolina. Hey, um, so I was, I was talking about the, um, the suing for the, for the, the, um, basically they're just suing for the power to do this. That's the point. And they're they're doing this, you know. They're now, doing now you're this. you're talking just so I can make sure, I, Curtis. You're talking about the city and the right to shelter. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, invented rights and stuff like a, a right that that is not rooted in the in the abstinence of other people, as as if as in the right to freedom of worship is a true right. But once you have a right that's rooted in a financial obligation for someone else. You're basically saying that you have no rights. What you're saying is you don't have property rights. And it's really in a part, just part of the attack on America. That's all this is. That's yeah, no, no, what do you, and, and I hear you. I hear what you're saying, Curtis. What, why do you think that the city of New York has decided to appeal this ruling that basically I, I say, and you've heard me say this, it gives them political cover to base, to say, you know what? Uh, you 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 don't have an obligation to spend billions of dollars and have your city destroyed. I mean, that was an easy out to say, okay, well, a judge said this. We're not going to do it anymore, and we're going to send the other ones back. But they're not doing right. it. They're actually suing, as you eloquently say, to retain that right. Why in God's green earth would you do that? Well, they're doing that. Like I said, they're doing it, it's doing it for power. It goes back to what Democrats are. But what does that say about their plan for the city? I mean, don't wouldn't you wouldn't you I I I agree that I think some of it comes to votes because I think they believe and I think they're correct that eventually most of these people will have voting rights. I mean, even the 500,000 Venezuelan are going to have that opportunity. So, you know, if if everything goes through and they get the temporary work permits, they will be legal temporary citizens that allows them non-citizens to vote. They have the ability, they'll get a social security, they'll get a driver's license. The next thing is come on and vote in local elections. Guess what? Uh, there's local elections in a couple weeks. They're probably trying to expedite it. What a surprise. Let's pick the biggest group that's here so they can vote. I mean, it, it, but it's so counterintuitive because leadership is supposed to be protecting. What? There's nothing more responsible than making sure your citizens are safe. And your borders are protected, whether it's a state border or it's a national border. I mean, it's counterintuitive to what a leader should do, Curtis. Well, yeah, well, the problem is they hate our guts. They hate America. They hate uh, they hate the Constitution. They hate the Bible on which it is based. And they hate the God of the Bible. That bottom line, at the end of the day, even if they feign Christianity in truth, if anything, they remake God in the image of the devil. They, they really do hate God. Well, they seem to uh, not hate uh, New Yorkers paying the tab, and that's a problem. That is for sure a problem because they're thinking it's an endless stream of money, and it is skyrocketing. They're using the phrase, it's going to destroy the city, and yet when they have an out, they don't take it, and they say, okay, let's continue a bad problem. I mean, that that defies logic, and and it's, it's so counterintuitive to the good people of New York and the good people of America. 
We're going to continue your calls, everybody. Curtis, thank you very much. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show. We're going to talk about the debate tomorrow night. It is the second GOP debate. And by the way, they better as heck talk about the border. I'm sure it will be a big focus because one of the partners is Univision. And Univision, of course, is very much focused on what's happening with the migrant situation. It'll be interesting because we'll see what kind of perspective they have. They may say, why are you not bringing in, as opposed to 2.2 million encounters this year, 20.2? Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what they have to say. What's their answer to all of this? What solution do they have for the millions that are here illegally in this country? What will the candidates do? And what's the difference between them? So I, I think it'll be really fascinating to see that aspect. Also, of course, the crime. Crime is skyrocketing as we are spending so much money to take care of the migrants, billions of dollars in New York City alone and so many more across the country. I can't even imagine what it's like in Eagle Pass, Texas, right there, right on ground zero of it all. Uh, We're talking about still cutting back on police. And in fact, to cover the migrants in New York City, they're talking about scaling back 75 percent of the counterterrorism unit. How does that make any sense? And in Chicago, same thing. Uh, Here is what Congressman Jim Jordan had to say, uh, because he talked about the effect of taking away police and taking away security and then adding migrants and letting criminals run wild. And he said that's what's happening in Chicago, where he held the hearing today. When you let bad guys stay on the street, you shouldn't be surprised when you get more crime. When you defund the police, you shouldn't be surprised when you get more crime. When you pass legislation that ends cash bail, you shouldn't be surprised when you get more crime. And when you do all those things, you shouldn't be surprised that we have, what, a 1,700 police officer shortage in the city. That's what left-wing policies have done. Yeah, and they have also opened the floodgates to illegal migrants with criminal history and a whole bunch more. Let's go to Tony. Line one. Tony, your thoughts. Rita, thanks for taking my call. I just want to make a real quick point. A lot of these migrants are coming from uh, uneducated. Well, let's just say 80 percent of them or maybe even 90 percent of them are very low educated people. And when they come up here, we're going to have to fight for jobs against them. And believe me, they're going to lower the the amount of money that they're going to offer and we're going to have to compete with jobs with our migrants. And this is going to drive down, the, the, like, basically the cost of living for everybody. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, we're already seeing it even with these work permits uh, that were granted to the 500,000 Venezuelan. Again, half a million Venezuelan, Tony. They said that they will go to the front of the line versus the people that have been waiting all this time to go through the legal processes. So if you were like you know, spending years applying, doing it the right way, and you are on the verge of getting it, you suddenly get pushed back because these other migrants will go ahead of it because they want to hurry up and give them work opportunities. And how is that fair? How is that fair to the people who've been doing it legally all this time? It's not. It's And I agree, there's going to be so many residual effects. Let's go to Bob in Long Island, Line 8. Bob. 
How you doing, Rita? Uh, enjoy the Led Zeppelin, by the way. Um, thank you. Thank just wanted, you. <laughs> just wanted to tell you, um, as far as the crime, I think the the police, uh, they need to uh, be be allowed to enforce the law. You know, they need to have the handcuffs, handcuffs taken off of themselves. You follow what I'm saying? And and uh, let them enforce the law. I agree. You're right, because they're not allowed to. They're too worried about being pulled into internal affairs. They're too worried about someone filming it and saying, oh, look what they did, uh, making up things in many times. Uh, they have a tough job, and we got to support them. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we get to honor our great military and their families, a segment that we love doing on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Harrisonburg, Virginia, where nearly 50 veterans have received the homecoming that they deserved. Well, Honor Flight of Top Virginia took the participating veterans in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia to view the memorial walls in Washington, D.C., for the wars that they fought in. Retired Sergeant Gary Allman said he appreciated the kindness that he received. He saw a major difference, he said, in the reception compared to his homecoming flight from the Vietnam War, which he remembers painfully and vividly. He said protesters, well, they weren't too welcome like everybody else was today. He said they called us killers. They even spit on us. They threw bricks and rocks at us. And to come here today was very, very much appreciated. Other veterans also came. And the purpose of the entire flight is to make sure that these veterans, 50 years long since the time of the Vietnam War, uh, that they get the overdue welcome that they so, so greatly deserved and that they get treated like the heroes that they are. By the way, uh, veteran Gary Allman served in the 4th Infantry Division for two years in the Vietnam War. He said he extended service so he could get out early, but has the spirit, he says, to serve today if he could. He said, sometimes I feel like I need to go back. Now, you know, that's just my feelings. uh, But there's so many things going on in the world that I really don't approve of. And I wish that I could go back and fight for my country. Wow. What a powerful and beautiful statement from one of our great, great Americans. And to all of you incredible Vietnam veterans, you know how much we love you, we appreciate you, and welcome home to you and, of course, to your families. I'll be watching tomorrow night at the debate to see exactly what they're going to be saying about defunding the police, about supporting our law enforcement officers, about honoring our veterans like we just talked about And also about protecting our borders. I think there'll also be a big focus, of course, on the economy because crime is crushing the economy. It's crushing so many retailers. I just talked about the fact that it's $112 billion is the cost of all the crime with retailers. That was the number that came through from last year's costs. This year's probably even higher. CVS closing stores, Rite Aid closing stores. Target announcing a little bit they're closing nine stores, including one in Harlem, New York. So it's a sign, sadly, of the times. And there's all these horrible cases of beatings that are taking place. 
And then there's the cost again of all the migrants, too. In the middle of all this, there are so many issues that are on the plate. And one of the partners, again, for the debate is Univision, Univision. And they were certainly focused, I'm sure, on migrants, on what policy should work in America. What should we do with the individuals, the millions that are here illegally? What would they think about, I would imagine, the Biden suddenly with the sweep of a brush making 500,000 temporarily legal in the United States. I was responding to New York Governor Kathy Hochul. And I hope that we see a spirited debate. These are huge, serious issues. I really do believe that the future of America is at stake. I mean, it is such a difficult time in the world. There are so many huge issues in the world. And there's such a contrast between Democratic leadership, Biden's leadership, and Trump's leadership. I mean, the border is a classic case. Border wall under Trump, remain in Mexico. No border wall, let's knock it all down and come to the United States and remain in the United States and we won't vet you or check you. That's the Biden policy. So I'm going to be watching a lot tomorrow night to see how those exchanges go. And I hope it's spirited. And I hope that there's some good spirited exchanges like there was on the last one. Who could forget this interesting exchange? This is one between Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie. If your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man, and if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice, and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. 30 seconds, Governor DeSantis. You you make me laugh because you 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 sit here in an answer. You sit here in an answer. You sit here and answer. Go ahead, Governor Christie. Hold on, Governor Christie. Hold on. Well, so listen, the more time we spend doing this, the less time they can talk about issues you want to talk about. So let's just get through this section. Governor Christie. You, You sit here talking about how you want to stand up for the rule of law. Yes. And law and order. And the fact is that it can't be selective. In your book, you had much different things to say about Donald Trump than you're saying here tonight. That's and, not true. Well, it is very true. That is not it's true. It's very true. I read it. Because and I know. there's a difference between look, bad behavior and illegal behavior, way, Chris. And you as a prosecutor way, should know yeah, better. Yeah, I, you know what? I know a lot there's better. There's a difference between I bad know, behavior. And I know a lot better than you do. You've never done it like you've never done anything to try to advance the interests of this government except to put yourself forward as a candidate tonight. And here's the thing. We've stood up for law and order. I did it as U.S. attorney. I did it as governor. And I am not going to bow to anyone when we have a president of the United States who disrespects the Constitution. He said, he said, he said, he said, Martha, Martha, it's important to say that the president said, Donald Trump said, it's okay to suspend the Constitution. Now, the oath you take is to preserve, protect, and defend, not suspend. I will always stand up for our Constitution, regardless of the political pressure. So let's see what they have to say tomorrow night about borders, about crime, about the migrants that are here. 
How are they going to vet them? How are they going to figure out who's here? How are they going to deport them? Let's hear the plans, because this is a very serious time in America, and we need some serious answers. Not just finger-pointing, we need some serious, serious answers. What are the what are the plans? What are you going to do? You've got suddenly millions of people here that haven't been checked. Uh, even if you close the border tomorrow, and Joe Biden sadly ain't going to do that, but if and if he was, you would have to figure out how do you get everybody that's here? That's How do you gather them up? They're fading into the woodwork. You know, they're not coming back for court dates because they don't have to. How do you know that they gave you the right name? How do you know that you can track them down? Uh, How do you vet them? How do you go back in time and try to undo the damage that this administration has created? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Adam on line two. Adam, your thoughts? Well... I feel like if they're going to go back, they might as well go back a decade or two ago so they can get all of those illegals out of here. How do you feel about that? Yeah, if they can. I mean, I think, by the way, I do think that it's hard to do when people have really settled in. Uh, some of them have family. Some of them have kids. They have grandkids. Uh, it's very hard to go back and kick those people out. Uh, but I think at least folks who have been here you know, uh, at least recently, should certainly be kicked out. And I think also those, anybody obviously with any any inkling of a criminal record, when I hear some of these stories, Adam, of people that are repeat offenders that continue to be in this country and they just get a slap on the wrist and they don't get deported, are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, that's insane. Let's go to Janet, line seven. Janet, your thoughts. I have a thought that I think is very scary. If we look at the big picture, things have been happening. Um, Two years ago, we started with COVID. There were tens of thousands of illegal people that were coming into this country. True. Not one of them ever got a shot. And they came in with COVID and put them on the buses. And they went to Westchester and they went all over. Now, listen to this. Meanwhile... Also, all Americans and our children all had to get the shots. They couldn't go to school. 150 nurses left um, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital because they wouldn't let them. They didn't want to get the shots. And now we know the shots didn't do or stop getting COVID. And the ones that got the shots were more chance of getting COVID. So what's what's your point, Janet? Yep, I hear you're right. What's your point? My point is, there is a plan. When you said before, I I figured this out, because you have to look at the whole picture. So many things with crime, letting out people who have beat up and hurt people and leaving them in prison overnight and letting them out. And now the whole country is being taken over, and we right before us. And you have to look at the picture. How is this happening? How could it be happening that yesterday they said, no, we're we're not going to stop? What what did they say? They're going to let them. You you said everybody said today that they Adam. Oh, oh, yeah. Where he's. Yeah, he's fighting it. He's saying, no, we should we we should have a right to shelter. In other words, we should be required to take care of him real quick, Janet, just because we have a few seconds. You don't kill. 
handle your children to let other people come in. You don't take old people out of nursing homes. That is, what was she, in her late 80s, and took her out of the nursing home in Long Island to let the illegals in? They're sick. It's, it's not a problem. It's sick. Somebody is controlling the people, and this is happening. Yeah, and, and there's got to be a benefit, Janet. Um, like you said, I agree. It, it, it defies logic and, and common sense and the duty that officials have to protect us, because that is the duty that they have. It's a contract that they have with the citizens that their first responsibility is to make sure people are safe. And they're doing everything not to do it. It's like it's like everything is against that policy. And so there has to be a benefit. And the only thing I can think of is that they think they're going to get new voters who are going to vote for them. And it's going to help to continue their political existence. That That's the only thing I can think of. Or, or they need their head examined. One of the two. Either way, they need their head examined. But, you know, it, it's just it defies logic. And I think you so aptly described just the frustration and, and the stupidity of these people. Uh, Janet, thanks so much. Let's go to Michael, line three. Michael, your thoughts. Yeah, um, I am ecstatically very, very, very happy that they finally decided to defund the police for the simple reason that the police have become useless since they're basically afraid to do anything. So here's my answer. It is now time to forget about the police. Go out and get yourself a gun. Oh, my God. All right. Wait, Michael, Michael, hang on. First of all, uh, you know, you're not. No, you know what? Because you're sounding like you're like Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, you know, or what was it? Gran Torino. Right. Remember? I mean, come on. Uh, That Wait, 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 wait. Before you get into Looney Kazooneyville. But first, let me just tell you on the on the defund the police. You can't abandon. They are the first line of defense, and we need to support them. And by saying, oh, well, we're just going to take matters into our own hands, uh, what are you, at the Alamo? I mean, not come any, on. Come on. Not, not anymore, they're not. It is time for the people to defend themselves. That's what I'm saying. Well, well, now, two pe- things, two things. I, I just have to say you don't want to inspire people to, like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, charge, you know. I mean, first off. People have to be responsible and you got to leave the protection to professionals and police are that. I, I do agree with what you're saying that they're hamstrung and they feel very disenchanted and they feel uh, debilitated, but that's because officials and other people have done that to them and we need to embolden them and strengthen them as opposed to uh, creating some citizen army. Uh, that that ain't gonna work. I, I I mean honestly, Michael, that that you can't you can't go there. But I will say uh, that we do need to protect our men and women in blue because that is the bottom line. They deserve our respect, and I agree with you that they are afraid in so many ways because they get hauled into internal affairs. They get called in. It, it is a formula for disaster, and anybody would feel disenchanted. Uh, but we got to embolden them so they can do the job of protecting us. Uh, so we don't need Michael's army, you know, but, <laughs> but I hear you. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And tomorrow is the big GOP debate, the second round with so many issues on the table. And that's why you need an experienced hand. 
Uh, who could forget the moment on the last debate? There were some fireworks between Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy. Both of them will be on the stage tomorrow night. Uh, here's what happened last go around. I had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here, was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Give me a hug. Remember when Christie famously hugged Obama? So there's going to be some interesting moments. Um, so all of you, make sure you join me tomorrow night. We will talk about the debate. Uh, we'll compare it to the first one. You can tell me what you think and who the winners are. I still think Trump is the big winner. Uh, Trump is also going to be doing a rally with the United Auto Workers in Michigan. He's going to be at a plant there uh, doing a rally a little bit before the debate. So I still think he's the big winner because he's not at the debate. He's not dealing with sort of the JV squad, as some people have described. And I think uh, it's going to be really hard for somebody to overtake Trump. You just see how far of a distance it is. But maybe there's some interesting moment that happened. Debates are live. They know the stakes are high. Is there anybody there on the stage that you think, including Trump, who won't be there tomorrow night, but anybody in that race, who do you feel, given the dire circumstances we are dealing in this country with crime, with the issues of defunding the police, with the issues, of course, of migrant, with the migrant crisis skyrocketing, with the economy and mortgage rates, interest rates skyrocket, who do you think can turn around what is really a disastrous path for America and can correct some of the wrongs and some of the troubles that we have seen of the last few years and get America moving again. Who do you have faith in on that stage? And also maybe the person who won't be on the stage. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Tony. Line two. Tony, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. I'm so looking forward to the debate at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. I have to tell you, there's so many people that will be there, and I think there'll be a big weeding out tomorrow night. Americans are looking, or Republicans are looking for someone that we can really trust with all those issues. And I don't see a person there who can do that. I just don't. I don't see one person saying, I can do this job. I can handle the government. I can handle the world stage. I just don't see that. And I think tomorrow night, if there is someone who has something in them, he needs to bring it out. He or she needs to bring it out. And hopefully being at the Reagan Presidential Library will help that person to sort of dig, dig deep down inside and show us all they got. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it could be good karma. You're right to bring it out. And I'm glad you reminded everybody that it's going to be there in Simi Valley at the Ronald Reagan Library, which is uh, a majestic place, and I think uh, obviously a great, great president, um, and and such great messages too. And maybe it'll uh, inspire them too to bring it on out and bring out the boxing gloves too. Uh, let's go to Pete, line one. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. I'm celebrating victories today. One first victory, the writer's strike is over. Hopefully, 
Second, Renee has because scans have come out. She's cancer free. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's and beautiful. On Island, yes. And on Staten Island about the uh, court uh, putting it, uh, it off about that uh, St. John Villa, because that's a school, not yep. a the migrant home, shelter. Yep. Migrant. So thanks to my to the audience out in WABC and to you and all the prayers from Jacqueline Norman. I can't go on everybody, even Stan. I'm sure he was praying for my wife because he's a good man. I'm sure he so, was, too. Everybody out there, I want to thank you and look forward to the debate tomorrow for the second job, which Donald Trump will have uh, people for a cabinet with the yeah, and, and you're right. You're right. You know, Pete, yep. that's what I think. I think you're right. They're auditioning, barring some weird thing happens. I mean, you never know with all these crazy cases. But you're right. I think they're auditioning for that sort of second slot. Um, and most importantly, Pete, uh, you got to do me a favor. Uh, you got to, after we hang up here, you got to go over to Renee and give her a big, huge hug from me. And uh, I know uh, I speak on behalf of everybody who listens to the show. We have the greatest listeners and everybody's been praying for your wife. And how beautiful to hear that she is cancer free. That makes the best, best news of all. And it puts everything in perspective. We love you, Pete. We love all you guys. And we'll talk to you tomorrow night. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.